The second reading today comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 16. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor did we put a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though, as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continuously, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displeased God and are hostile to everyone, in their efforts to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may have saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Here ends the reading. Hi, my name's Rick. It's great that we can open God's word together again this morning. As I mentioned last week, each week we're going to be reading from two parts of the Bible. 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, and I'm not going to be speaking about that. It's just good to be reading God's Word together, even when it's not being taught. But we are going to spend some time now looking a bit more at that passage in 1 Thessalonians. Last week, it was great to meet so many of you in our Zoom morning tea meeting straight after church, and it will be great to meet more of you again this morning. So log on and join us in our virtual morning tea. But it will be excellent if you could have your Bibles open 
and reading along with me as we look again at this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'll give you a moment to make sure that you're sorted and you've got your Bibles ready, and then we'll pray and we'll get stuck into it. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us. We thank you that your spirit caused these words to be written so many centuries ago, and we pray that that same spirit will be working in our hearts and minds now to give us faith and to give us faith that leads to obedience. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the question that we are going to be looking at today is this. What will help us to hear the message of Jesus and the words of the Bible as God's words to us? You know, every day, every day we hear all kinds of messages and ideas. You know, do this, buy this, watch this, think like this. We're surrounded by it. So in the midst of all that, what will help us to remember that the message of Jesus is the very words of God to us so that we take it seriously and that we receive it with the kind of gravity that it deserves? And at the same time, what will help the people around us in, in Richmond and beyond to also recognise that this message of Jesus is a message from God and not just a human message, so that they too might take it seriously. That's what we want, isn't it? We want the people around us to go, wow, that message of Jesus that you're on about, that's the truth. That's something that I need to pay attention to. That's really, I think, what this part of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 is about. If you have a look with me down in verse 13, we see that the Thessalonians did receive the message of Jesus with the gravity that it deserves. Have a look at verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 with me. It says, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God. The Thessalonians received the message that Paul preached as the word of God. They knew that Paul and his message was authentic. It was the real deal. And now Paul is writing to those same people to remind them what it was about the character of his ministry among them that helped them to recognise this. So today we're going to have a look at what that was so that we can follow that example. And really, the, the kind of overarching thing that Paul wants to remind them of is that he was not a fake. He was not a fake. A lot of this chapter is Paul reminding the Thessalonians that when he was with them, when he visited them, when he preached the gospel to them, that he was genuine, that in everything he did, he had pure motives. And he tells them this in verse 3 and verse 5. Have a look at verse 3 with me. Verse 3, For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. And further down in verse 5, You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. I wasn't a con artist, basically, is what he's saying. I wasn't someone who was in it for money or for glory. 
I'm sure we all know the stereotype, don't we, of, of the televangelist with the shiny suit and the even shinier teeth, who is in it for money and for fame. And sadly, we know, don't we, the damage that causes to the reputation of Jesus and to the message about Jesus. And Paul wants to remind the Thessalonians that he was not like that. He was anything but a con man. And the two main points that he highlights are, and these are the two main points we're going to be looking at today, are one, that he did what he did at personal cost, and secondly, that he shared his life with them as he shared the gospel with them. So the first point, as I said, is that he did what he did at personal cost. He was committed to serving at personal cost. You know, every time Paul went somewhere and told people about Jesus, it caused trouble for him. And that was the same when he was in Thessalonica. But he did it anyway. Have a look at verse 2 now with me. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. You see, previously where Paul had been in the town of Philippi, he'd been arrested, he'd been thrown in prison, he'd been beaten for telling people about Jesus. But when he got to Thessalonica, he did it again anyway because he wasn't in it for personal gain. In fact, just the opposite. He was willing to serve in the ministry of the gospel at personal cost because he was convicted that this message was the truth and that people needed to hear it. Now, this is particularly significant when the people speaking the message were the eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus, the people who had seen him risen from the dead. I don't know if you know or not, but all but one of the original apostles died for telling people about Jesus. And that one, he spent most of his life in jail. They were threatened. It didn't matter, though, how much they were threatened. They kept on saying this message. And that means something. They were convicted. They were committed to it, even though it cost them, because they had seen Jesus alive. Now, we're not those apostles who have seen Jesus alive ourselves, but it is still significant when we count the cost of following Jesus and of serving Jesus. Think what a difference it makes when we are willing to speak about Jesus and to serve each other, even when it costs us. It speaks to the authenticity of what we are on about. I remember when I finished uni, I'd studied mechanical engineering and I was going for a job straight after uni. And I remember I was in the job interview and the guy interviewing me said, you know, this job involves a lot of overseas travel. You're young, you can, uh, you can see the world, it'd be great, right? That, how do you feel about that? Do you think you'll enjoy that? And I said, well, you know, that does sound good, but, you know, I don't know how that'll work because I lead the youth group at my church and... I don't know if it will work if I'm away all that often. Now, that didn't go down particularly well. And as you can perhaps imagine, I didn't get the job. Now, I don't tell that to, to blow my own trumpet to make me look good because it was really no different to what lots of other people in my church were doing. It was common. 
People were committed to serving at personal cost. And what this did was it helped all of us to take it seriously. This is the real deal. We are not messing around here. And that makes a difference for everyone. And it also makes a difference to the people outside the church who kind of are looking in and who see us. See, when we make it clear by our actions and by our sacrifices and by our commitments that I'm not in this for gain, in fact, I'm even in it for cost, it makes a difference. Think what that will communicate to our family, to, to our parents or to our kids or to our siblings. Think what that will communicate to our friends and to our colleagues when they see us counting the cost of following Jesus. That's the first thing that we see in this passage. When we are committed to serving, even at personal cost, it commends the genuineness of the message. The second thing that commends the genuineness of the message is that we are committed to sharing our lives with each other, committed to sharing our lives as we share the gospel. Have a look with me from verse 8 or the end of verse 7, really. It says, Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. See, as Paul shared the gospel with them, he also shared his life with them. He wasn't just like some pizza delivery guy who delivered his message and then got out of there. No, he was invested in them personally. The message of Jesus does that. It unites us to God, but it also unites us to each other. And so as Paul shared his message with them, sorry, as Paul shared his life with them, he was demonstrating the genuineness of the message that he was sharing with them. And can I say, I've already begun to see that this is exactly the kind of thing that's happening here at Richmond Anglican Church. And it's so good to hear. I've already heard stories of people who have become followers of Jesus because someone has welcomed them into their home, because people have loved them and have shown hospitality towards them. I've heard of people walking alongside each other in joy and in grief. And personally, my family has benefited from the warmth and generosity that you've shown to us as you've welcomed us. And I'll tell you, this makes a difference, both inside and outside the church for people looking in. I've got a, a Christian friend who has been trying to share the gospel with a friend of his for a while now, and for a long time, his friend has been quite resistant. But recently, his friend has started to notice the difference in the kind of relationships that exist in the church community that my friend is a part of. And one day he said to my friend, I want that. You know, I'm not in for this Jesus stuff, but I want what you've got. I like that. There's something different about your relationships. And, and my friend said to him, you know what it is that makes the difference? It's the Jesus stuff. When the message of Jesus transforms our lives and transforms our relationships the way that it should, it's attractively different. It affirms the message that we speak. 
And it helps us and it helps others to see the truth that this message is not just a human message. It's the word of God. Paul shared not only the gospel, but his life as well. But let me just take that sentence again, just for a moment, and flip it around. That is, we need to make sure that we share not only our lives, but the gospel as well. And I hope that goes without saying, but I do know that sometimes we can spend years and even decades sharing our lives, but not the gospel. And, you know, I'm ashamed to admit that I've been guilty of this. And so now I've got these great friendships, but I'm kind of afraid to endanger those friendships by speaking about Jesus because I know that it's not going to be received well. It's going to be unpopular. See, if we want our friendships to commend the message of Jesus, then we need to make sure that we are speaking the message of Jesus. The friendship is not the message. The hospitality is not the message. The message is Jesus is Lord, crucified and risen for the forgiveness of sins. And the way that we live with people and that we share our lives with people, that will commend that message. Well, let me just finish now with one key area where this gospel and shared lives really makes a big and noticeable impact that I kind of want to recommend. That is in Bible study groups. Bible study groups give us a few people where we can hear God's word together, we can pray, we can share our lives with each other. And as we do that, we help each other to let the word of God shape us. And so together we learn to love and to forgive and to grow in godliness and to serve each other. And as we do that, God willing, our relationships can begin to kind of hum with the resonance of the gospel. And so you can see how this can help us to do what the Thessalonians were doing. It helps us together to receive the word of God as the word of God. That is, we remind each other, this is God's word to me and this is God's word to you. We help each other to live what we are learning and that testifies to the genuineness of the message. We see that this is a message that makes a difference because it's the truth and it changes people. It changed Paul into being someone who was willing to risk his life to go from town to town to speak this message and it changed the Thessalonians as well to be people who were willing even to suffer for it. And it can change us too. So if you're not in a Bible study group, then I encourage you to join one. This is just one way that we can be doing the gospel and shared lives, but it's a really helpful way. If you're not sure how to get into one, then contact me and I'll point you in the right direction. And if you are in a Bible study group, make sure you're following this pattern. We read the Bible together, we pray, and we share our lives with each other. And as we do that, I'm praying that it will help us to hear the message of Jesus with the gravity that it deserves. That, that we don't just hear it as words and ideas, 
but that we hear it as it really is, as the very word of God to us. Let's pray that we will. Heavenly Father, we do pray that we will hear the message of Jesus that we read in your word, the Bible, as your words to us. Father, may we be people who are willing to count the cost of living for Jesus. May we be people who share our lives with each other as we share this message of Jesus with each other and the people around us. And we pray that this will encourage each other all the more to take it seriously and that it will encourage the people around us to see that this is the real deal, this is the genuine message of God that we need to take seriously. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.